sisters, come together now, come together now. It's time to help each other out, help each other out. Welcome to the Sword Podcast. This is a platform for sisters to gather and have some empowering conversations. And in the process of these conversations, we help each other overcome some limiting beliefs. I want you to join the conversation. I appreciate your likes, subscribes, and comments. This podcast is sponsored by Stephanie Brown Coaching. If you have any limiting beliefs that are holding you back, feel free to contact the coach at sociatap.com forward slash Steph Brown MD. Okay, I'm going to share a little coaching secret with you. One of the ways that we can overcome our limiting beliefs is by revising our thoughts. With the source saying, we get to choose a new thought that expands us and helps us to rise. I don't know about you, but I can use all of the affirmation that I can get. With so much negativity in the world, I bet you can too. This week's source saying is about leaning into the divine feminine to balance out some of that masculine energy. It's about incorporating the yin by reclaiming rest, journaling, prioritizing me time, tapping into our intuition, getting in touch with our dreams, embracing our sensuality, practicing self-love, and going within before acting. The source saying is, I am soft but fierce, and I embrace the divine energy within me. Again, the source saying is, I am soft but fierce, and I embrace the divine energy within me. Today's topic is Christians can embrace the woo too. Thoughts on spirituality. One of the main tenets of Christianity is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and that no man gets to the Father except through him. So what do we as Christians do when we find something spiritual that helps us but may seem off the narrow path of Christianity? Spirituality involves the recognition of a feeling or sense of belief that there is something greater than myself, something more to being human than sensory experience and the greater whole of which our part is cosmic or divine in nature. These days, it's very common to hear people say, well, I'm spiritual, but not religious. And on the other hand, many religious people tend to look down on people who are too spiritual or woo-woo. Many people don't want to be boxed in by institutionalized practices of religion, and that might be why they say they're spiritual, but not religious. And for African Americans, it gets even trickier because we came from a spiritual tradition and we were forced to accept a colonized version of Christianity. So as we long to return to our roots, some of those roots are spiritual roots. When we embrace our African heritage, it comes with an embrace of holy wood and sage, rituals honoring our ancestors, and sometimes divination practices such as astrology and tarot. Reverend LaVon Proverbs Briggs is a theologian from Yale who calls her African-centered form of spirituality Christian adjacent. In her sermons, she makes reference to African deities such as Oshun, Obatala, and Orisha. She considers it decolonizing her religion. And you may have heard some of these names from artists such as Beyonce. She has imagery and references to Oshun in some of her songs. 
So can we be full-fledged Christians and still embrace some woo-woo? Or do we have to be Christian adjacent? Well, let's have the conversation. My special guest is perfect for this topic. My special guest is Monica Wisdom. Monica's adventurous spirit has taken her in many visions, including cosmetology, writing, and the music industry. After graduating cosmetology with honors, she ascended to and studied with innovators such as Vivian McIndoe, Jerry Cosenza, Irvine Rusk, and many more. Monica has worked with celebrities and companies including the Isley Brothers, Loretta Devine, Atlantic Records, DreamWork Records, and the list goes on. She's also been featured on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox Networks. In the midst of it all, Monica was called on a spiritual sojourn, and she knew it was time to excavate and heal her traumatic childhood and generational wounds. On her spiritual journey, she learned to embrace the divine feminine and wants to share all that she's learned with other women. Thank you, Dr. Stephanie, for having me. I really appreciate it. So we are co-hosts of our own show on Clubhouse called We're Speaking, and it's part of our club, the We're Speaking Sisterhood. So this is really going to be fun because I get to ask you questions and pick your brain because I'm always impressed by your wealth of knowledge and insight. And this topic is super cool. Christians can embrace the woo-woo too. Thoughts on spirituality. So I cannot wait to hear your take on this. <laughs> now, Monica, you are a woman of many talents and you wear many hats. So I would love for you to tell us your story and how you got to where you are now and how you're able to speak on this topic. Well, to start from the very beginning, I like to tell people that I was born by the river. I was literally born in a hospital next to the Mississippi River, a town called Alton, Illinois. And when I was young, my father moved to the big city of St. Louis to start his own business. He had a pharmacy. And this was in the early 70s. And being around him, I was the kid that went to work with him all the time. And he always had us with him at odd hours. So we were around a bunch of different types of people. So my father's friends ranged from the local drug dealer to police officers. So I was around everybody, business owners and entrepreneurs. And I got a great experience of learning lots of different ways of life, juxtaposed to my mother's family, which was a family that was highly educated black folks. I mean, my grandfather had a honorary PhD from Columbia University, and he was the principal of wow. all black school for 50 years until integration. So education was highly pushed. So I had one side pushed education, one side into entrepreneurship. I chose entrepreneurship. And that choice came uh, when I was younger and mother passed when I was 13. She committed suicide. And because of that, uh, we were deemed orphans and we got a check from the state. I don't know how that correlated, but that was just the, the lingo. And my father uh Around the time I turned 17, my father's business started shifting because at that time, that's when the big pharmacies were coming in town. And so people were shifting to, I want to say, I, I'm not going to say the name of it, but those big box stores that had pharmacies. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Okay. So his, his business started shifting. That was around the time of 
all of that happening. So he knew that the one source of income that came in regularly was our check from the state. So he said, um, I need you to go to tech school. And because then you just go to year uh, high school a year longer, but we need the money. So essentially that's what I did. And I had to pick a profession or pick a lane, which, and I picked cosmetology because my intention was to go to college to be an accountant. Well, I am happy that that was my choice because I found my people. I never felt like I quite fit in because I was a small town country girl. I had all mm-hmm. these eclectic experiences growing up and I never quite didn't fit in with the regular kids or the cool kids. But once <laughs> I went to beauty school, I found my people, my tribe. So I went through that, graduated with honors and working in my field. And during that time, you know, people, opportunities came and I just took the opportunity. So I was able to go on what I call an adventure through life, which led me in many different directions, which included cosmetology, the music industry and the publishing industry. So that's why when people read my bio, they're like, how did you do all of this? Right. I promise you, I promise you it was nothing but God. So that's essentially my story and a minute piece. <laughs> Yeah, that is a very, very powerful story. There's a lot there, a lot there. So I'm sure as we talk about different things, we'll end up coming back to different places in your story. But the way I came up with this topic is, I don't even know if you remember this, but one of the things I remember you saying during one of our four-way discussions with our other co-hosts, was that I'm a woo-woo, but I'm not that woo-woo. And I just thought that that was the best line ever. I think we were talking about menopause and and some woman who had ideas on menopause that were related to some form of witchcraft. And we thought you might know what it was. Yes! (laughs) Yes. And I don't even remember what the word was. We had to look the word up because none of us knew what the word was. But we thought you might know. We were meeting on Zoom and somebody wanted to bring her in to talk about menopause. And we looked on her website. It was all the things that we were like, ooh, and I think I remember saying that I'm not that woo-woo. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what it was. But the funny thing is you weren't even using real words, right? We're using, you know, woo-woo. But we all knew exactly what you were saying when you made that statement. So I would love for you to explain to everyone, what do you mean when you say I'm woo-woo, but I'm not that woo-woo? Well... That would be my journey of Christianity. So I was raised a Christian and I remember my, we used to have a church that was at the top of the complex we lived in. And so we would go there for vacation, Bible study. And it was a white Southern Christian church. And, you know, where they taught us the white lie and the black lie. And they taught us about Jesus, the white man. And so as I got older, what I was learning in church was not exactly what I was reading in the Bible because <laughs> mm-hmm. it wasn't white. <laughs> and right. this didn't actually happen like this. And I realized that people were cherry picking the Bible. So I wanted to learn more about the Bible. And that is what led me on 
understanding the Bible on a deeper level. And I remember when I fully immersed myself, I was around in my early 30s. And I started having these conversations with people about things that I was thinking about and trying to understand for myself. Like how were, like you said, my life is interesting. Like how are these things happening? It's not like I'm looking on a computer, filling out an application and applying for a job. Like the whole mm-hmm. piece of me working for a magazine, 100% woo-woo, 100% mm-hmm. God. Um, me working with everything that I've done has been 100% woo-woo. I've had interviews with people, but it's never been anything where it was a serious, I had to go back three times, like they do in corporate America. So anyway, mm. when I fully immersed, e- emerged myself in the Bible after trying to figure out if Christianity was for me, so I studied a little bit of Yoruba. I learned the language. I don't speak it now. But I learned about the African traditions. I learned about Islam because my best friend is Muslim. And it was a time when I thought I was going to convert to Islam. So mm-hmm. I was at my best friend's house and a person that has the title of missionary who actually goes around the world and talks about Islam was at her house. And my my best friend is a Southern Belle, so she's one of those, just say hi to him, don't ask any questions. So the first mm-hmm. thing I do is go up to him and say, can I ask you some questions? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Like, <laughs> so I went up and he was sitting on the couch and I sat next to the chair on the couch with him and we had the most beautiful conversation about Christianity. And he said, before you dive into to Islam, I want you to really get into Christianity. And he started telling me about Jesus, the Jesus that I never learned about, the Jesus that turned water into wine, and the Jesus that fed people with the fishes and the loaves, and the Jesus that went to meditate on the mountain, the Jesus that was tempted by the devil. I learned about that Jesus. And in learning about that Jesus, I found myself understanding why things were happening to me, why I could have conversations with people and know their life without them telling me, why people would come up, strangers, I can meet somebody and say hi, and they would literally tell me their life story. And I didn't know why. And so the more I got into my Christianity, all the things that I learned from self-help books and all these other entities I found was in the Bible. Meditation, spirituality, mysticism, all the things that I love were, are in the Bible. They're just not taught to us, but the words are actually there. And then what fully merged me into the woo-woo. And I'm not going to, I mean, I'm calling woo, but that's not what it is. My spirituality, my, my connect. And I look at spirituality as a conversation with God. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's all that it is for me. You know, I'm not casting spells or doing all these other things, although that happens in the world. But it's about my conversation with God. Like God is my homie. <laughs> Jesus is my brother. Like we're a family. 
So that's when I call what I call my version of woo woo. So a friend of mine moved back to LA and she said, when you come and visit, I'm going to take you to this church and it will be your church. And this was probably about 25 years ago. And she took me to a church called Agape. And there was a man named Michael Beckwith, who was the minister, who is the minister. Mm -hmm. The church still happens. And when I walked in that church, literally my whole body exploded. Wow. Everything he had been saying, I fully understood. And it was the it was the conversation in my head. And being from the Midwest, you know, we're part of the, we're on the edge, we're on the Bible belt. Everything's about the Bible on Mm -hmm. a, a, in a reductive, what I call reductive way, because it's always about, always about guilt and shame. They shame you instead of teaching you how to be a good person. So I say all that to say my woo woo is, is deep within my Christian um, beliefs but it's such a fuller version of it than what I was ever taught in church um, until mm. I got there. Whew. Well, I knew this was going to be an enlightening conversation, but I did not expect that to be the answer. Uh, and it's such a, a beautiful way that you describe your Christian faith and And I hope that this really inspires other people to read the Bible for themselves and to be able to explore their Christian faith. Because one of the things that I've noticed as I have evolved spiritually is I feel that a lot of people are seeking and it always felt to me as a Christian that I was taught that there were so many things that were no-nos, kind of like a toddler. No, no, you don't do that. No, no. Um, like astrology and ancestral traditions and crystals. But it seems that the need and the hunger for truth, healing, and peace is so strong that I see many Christians, including myself, exploring outside of those parameters where we were told no. So, and some of those things I think of as woo-woo, you know, the crystals or um, you mentioned mysticism. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I always, when people say, for instance, no to astrology, my question is, um, didn't they follow the North star to get to Jesus? That's what my Bible told me. That's astrology. You know, the three wise men were astrologers, essentially. They followed the stars um, and they learned from the stars. It it came to Mary in a dream that she was going to have the son of God. Mm -hmm. Isn't that mysticism? So Mm -hmm. the word might be different, but the action is the same. When, When the Bible says that you were divinely fashioned in your mother's womb and essentially God knew you before you were born that's mystery mm-hmm. that's something that you can't really explain nobody can people can tell you how how babies are born and the sperm and the egg and all this happens but who created the sperm and the egg nobody of this earth mm-hmm. so all of that in itself when we watch our body heal all of that is mysticism and but that's how i see it but it's not taught that way. And I think as black people of uh, the African diaspora, 
it's really important to understand the roots of our church called the black church, which is different than the church of England and the church of King James, even though we're taught King James. And we also have to look at how Christianity was used to oppress us. So we have Mm -hmm. to look at all of that in our beliefs and how we believe so that we can get to the truth. So we can understand once we decolonize our understanding of religion, I mean, the the gifts of the spirit. Who gives you the gifts? How does that happen? Jesus said, you will do greater works than me. So if he says that you will do greater works than me, what are the works that he did? He turned water into wine. That's alchemy. So the interesting thing is everything that I consider woo-woo or mysticism is right in the Bible. We just look at it from such a human practical perspective that we don't see all the other things happening within it. I mean, you're a medicine woman, you're, but you call you a doctor. You're a healer, but you're called a physician. It's all the same thing. Absolutely. I, I feel that a lot of deliverance in your words as you speak them, because I know a lot of Christians like myself have just been taught that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And if it's not, which makes, which shows you a very narrow path, right? And so if anything is not specifically on that path or specifically mentioned, it feels like you are, you know, cheating on baby Jesus or something. (laughs) So... (laughs) I think that, you know, being able to see that a lot of these things are, you know, part of the Bible and they're just called by different names and you can have it all. You can use your crystals if that's what brings you comfort. You can uh, meditate and you can chant when you meditate. That's another one that comes up, you know, the chanting some Christians feel uncomfortable chanting uh, as a form of meditation because they feel that that's too close to Buddhism. And I think that all of the restrictions that we put on ourselves and we put around religion, if it's not something that's bringing you freedom and bringing you love and bringing you closer to God, maybe we need to rethink it. You know, it's interesting you say that because one, Buddhism is not a religion. It's a way of life. Um, two, when I was talking to the, the Muslim missionary, he said, and I asked him, I said, how do you know so much about Jesus? He said, well, first of all, we have a, a book of Jesus and a book of Mary in the Quran. I was like, no, what now? He said, yeah, we venerate Jesus. Jesus is a part of our journey as well. And the other piece of it, he said, in order for me to have an intelligent conversation with anybody, I have to understand where they come from. So I have to study other people's beliefs. And so it helped me open my mind to here's this man who all he does is study religion and he's open enough to study other people's religions so he can have a full understanding of the to have a proper conversation a lot of us who are christians will only see the narrow side of christianity taught through our church or our family's traditions and because of that narrowness 
we have a problem accepting that other people's beliefs are okay. It might not be your belief, but it is okay for them to have their belief. And I always go back to Jesus when they talked about who Jesus hung out with. Not just the disciples, but he hung out with the the folks that people threw away, the prostitutes, the robbers. He hung out with everybody. Everybody was his tribe. And we have to learn as Christian is to open up our hearts to everybody. You don't have to believe what people believe, but you need to we need to listen more and stop having so many judgments one of ourselves if we want to explore something else what is crystals crystals is just a way to focus your energy a lot of people have different definitions of crystals but they're of the earth they come out of the ground and didn't jesus create didn't god create that too you know the moon and the stars didn't god create that too so why are we only limited to one tool to express and understand our our belief system our system of of how we operate in the world why is it just limited to this because the church in the north is very different than the church in the south so mm-hmm. then do we say that these christians in the south are wrong and these christians in the north are right no we accept them because they're all under the umbrella of christianity and christianity is such a wide space it's all the spaces it's not a wide mm-hmm. space it's all the spaces all the spaces, and I've had this discussion with like ser- what I call serious Christians, and I say, what if Christianity was in a country, was not in a specific country? Are all these people going to hell? Mm-hmm. You know, I had that same question, and I'm like, well, who are you? To, who am I to determine that? Who am I to determine that? Who am I to determine based on a scripture in a book, the Bible? That this whole group of people who live in trees, who never watched TV or had the internet, they're all going to hell. Then why did God create them? Are we not all God's children? So I think as Christians, to summarize, to answer your question, (laughs) move on to the next one. I can talk about this forever, as you can see. We have to ask more questions and stop always thinking we have the answer. Ooh, that right there. No, I could talk about this forever, too. And one of the scriptures that always comes to mind is, you know, I look through a mirror um, darkly and the scripture is basically talking about how we're looking through like this grainy, you know, mirror that we can't quite make out the shapes. We have a little bit of the answer, but there's we cannot see it clearly and we won't be able to see it clearly until our time on this earth is done. And that's the one that always comes to mind that we don't know we we have intuition we have some inklings we have breadcrumbs basically but we definitely do not have a clearly painted picture so i'm with you that we it's it's healthy to not judge ourselves and to judge others and to realize that you know there there are things that we don't know so you said it well you you speak very eloquently on the subject so uh I, i am enjoying this conversation the the other thing I wanted to talk about is that you mentioned that you went on a spiritual sojourn to heal your traumatic childhood and generational wounds. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear a little bit more about that. What was that like for you? Where would you like me to start from the trauma or the <laughs> <laughs> wherever you want to start? Wherever I want to start. So 
I grew up in a lot of trauma. I grew up in a, an abusive household. Uh, my mother was very abusive to me, physically and mentally. And um, and it, but I will say this: it wasn't my whole childhood. It was at a time where she was broken, where my dad had cheated on her, and they were going through a divorce. And I somehow became the the um, focus of her trauma. Not only her trauma with my dealing with my dad, but her childhood trauma. So she took it out on me. So I've forgiven her about it, blah, 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 go on. So I went, my fight, I'll just say this, my life has been filled with a lot of tragedy. So when I say, mm-hmm. say things, I want people to know that I'm okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and during this spiritual journey, is when I became okay. So I went through um, traditional therapy. Traditional therapy did not work for me because at the time that I went, there was not a thing called trauma-informed therapy. Mm, Yes. So, And then my therapist was a white woman from Scotland. And she said to me, not being American, and most of her clients were, were white women. She said, black women just get it easier. <gasps> what? She said, what? We just get it eat. Like we, no, it's not bad. She said, we, we understand oh. life easier. Oh, like, okay. We, okay. You can't freeze. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant that we get the easier aspects of life that we just no, get no, the no, easier. No, no. Okay. We, when a problem comes up, we can come up with a solution really quickly. Where okay. it might take, and this is according to her, I don't know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a therapist, but she said for white women, she could have a conversation with them or whatever the process, her process is. And for white women, it could take years, whereas for black women, it could, we just click and we move on to the next thing. So that was her observation. So after six weeks, she's like, oh, you're good. You're fine. And I went to her because my brother had just had a really bad car accident. And he was like, it was really bad. It was a whole, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. story. But I needed, like my brain was felt like it was just swelling in my head and I needed some relief because it was a yeah. lot to deal with. Yeah. So after six weeks, she's like, oh my God, you're good. And I was like, and I'm not going to cuss because we're talking about spirituality and God. <laughs> I'm thinking in my head, like, what the? Are you serious? Like, I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm a hot. Oh, in her Scottish, oh, you're fine. In her Scottish accent, oh, you're good. And um, I was like, that was a really bad Scottish accent. But I was like, I'm a mess. And so... I said, well, that didn't work. And people were like, I'll just find a dis- different therapist. And I'm like, no, I'm not going through that again. And um, and it did, she did, it, it, it did offer some relief, but it was so much other stuff there that I just don't think a white woman could understand a black mm-hmm. woman's life. And no shade against them. We just have a different, different life. And so anyway, I started talking to some girlfriends and my sister friends and, you know, trying to get a deeper understanding. And then the first thing, uh, I called a girlfriend of mine and I said, I'm just so sick of myself. 
Like I was just at that moment, at that time, I was just really sick of myself. I was tired of complaining about life. I was tired of being about confused, being confused. I was trying to the whole piece of figuring life out. I was just tired of it. And I don't know if that was Mm -hmm. because I was just turning 30 and that's what happens at that time of life. But I was sick of myself and I needed a chin check. And she said, do you trust me? I was like, yeah. She said, okay. I want you to show up at this place at this time and take this and tell them your name. Wow. <laughs> now what? That's very <laughs> mysterious, mystical and mysterious. Right. So I went to this place, I opened the door and it's a room full of people. And I start this journey of experiential learning through an organization called Phoenix 2000. And in that, it was a series of exercises and lessons and things that we had to learn, but it was about focusing on specifically myself, specifically myself, which I had never done before. And I know there are other companies, there's Landmark, there's other companies do the same type of learning. So I went through that whole process, including learning how to be a coach. And it was like I discovered new parts of myself and I was able to heal, but there were still some things that weren't covered. So I remember that one of the people that they came in to teach us was a black woman named Betty Spruill, and she's out of San Francisco. And she taught us about this process that he, she and her friend had created called the feminine face of leadership. Mm. So, some girlfriends and I decided, oh, well, let's go to her retreat. You know, what is it? We, I didn't know what it was. So I went in there and it was like the most amazing experience because here I was learning about the divine feminine and about mm. the feminine aspect of myself and how I was so steeped in the masculine part that I knew nothing about the feminine part. And that just happens to be because we're in the United States of America and we are under the, the umbrella of a patriarchy. Yes. Men run the world. So I started learning about this and her partner is Dr. Aziz Fuqua, who is an Egypt, who is a, she teaches from the Course in Miracles and from Egyptian mysticism and two black women. So for me, to never see any black woman in the, in this space, to see the two of them, I could like eat them up. I was just like taking it all in. Yeah. That is when I was able to pinpoint my trauma. And I even learned what trauma was because I thought I was depressed. But I went, Mm. what I learned later is that I was essentially had post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. So, uncovering that it was like oh I'm not depressed these are traumatic episodes that I'm having like when I'm when this happens or when that happens I'm like am I going crazy it's like no these are traumatic episodes so I was able to dive deep into that move past it and that's why I remind people that even though I went through all that trauma I'm okay now and so learning the feminine face of God Um, the understanding of the divine feminine expanded my understanding of God 
that you can't yes. have one without the other. You can't have a feminine aspect without a masculine aspect. And I'm not talking about gender. Let me clear that up. I'm talking about the energy that is intrinsic in everybody. It's in science. It's in everything. A masculine and a feminine energy is in everything. So I was able to balance myself out. And that's when I was really able to see that God was everything, not just this fraction of God called religion. Mm. God was literally everything. Yes. Because I am God's child. And Jesus said, you will do greater things than me. I actually believed it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Believed it. So that's when I got deeper into manifesting the law of attraction, the universal laws. So, yeah, so that that was essentially it. And and I'm still a Christian, but I just think my scope is is broader than than the general public. Yes, I'm a or I will say I speak out loud about it because I think a lot of people feel the same way that I do, but they don't Mm -hmm. know the conversation of it or they're not or they're not ready yet to talk about it out loud. When you said that, when you said God is literally in everything, I just had the biggest smile on my face because when I think of I think of God that way, too. And when I think of it that way. It just makes me so happy to know that, that God is everything, that God is in the plant, that God is in the tree and in all of these things. And God is in me. And that is a very liberating and it it lifts me, um, that thought. So yeah, definitely come into that and and come into that understanding. I'm so intrigued by your journey. It, It sounds like it was very adventurous like the rest of your life but um (laughs) uh, also very healing and and I love hearing about how people have gotten to a place of healing so thank you for sharing that I also wanted to ask you you mentioned the divine feminine and you talked about a little bit about what it is but I would like a little bit more information about what it is and why it's important for us as black women to embrace the divine feminine in essence it's who we are but we just don't know what that is it's that thing in us that i'll use the example if you see your kid being harmed and that fierceness that comes out of you that you don't that superhuman strength that comes out of you you don't know what that is Mm-hmm. Or when you or when you walk into an office and they say, hey, Dr. Stephanie, we need this and this to happen, but we don't have X, Y, Z. And you're able to figure it out in five minutes and, and then set a plan. It doesn't take a lot for you to do what you need to do or it doesn't take a lot for us to do what we need to do. We call it black girl magic. That's mm-hmm. the divine feminine. And the beauty of it is it informs our place in the world. And when I say the divine feminine, I don't mean femininity. It has nothing to do with how we present ourselves in the world. If you wear a dress or lipstick or don't, it has to do that the energy of the energy that resides within us. And it's a place of empathy, compassion. It's those soft places where our hugs are healing and our mind is expansive. And it's the place where we are natural healers and we're fierce warriors at the same time. 
it's all the things that is about being collaborative and of community, a sisterhood. Without competition, without aggression, um, without trying to one-up somebody because we understand abundance and there's enough for everybody. And we're able, when we steep really deep, if we all steep really deep into that understanding, we could literally heal the world from our house doing nothing. It's an effortlessness. Masculinity is about pushing and power and overpowering other people, but divine feminine is about you sink it and it becomes. And it's, it's alchemy in its own way because we have the ability to make something out of nothing. And it's, it's just the aspect of when Jesus turned water into wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I learned this term from someone recently called soft power mm-hmm. and how as, as women, we, we can walk in our soft power. We don't have to try to have the aggressive, hard, masculine type of power that there is power in our, in our softness. And I really appreciated that because I definitely don't do well on that masculine hard side. And so just being able to acknowledge that I'm still powerful, even, even in my softness was, was really wonderful. And think about it. I mean, think about black women, the, the problems that we have, we have problems with our womb. We have problems with our breasts. We have problems with our heart. Those are the places we fed those places energetically instead of always in our mind, we would have a different health outcome. And it's not about taking care of yourself, eat right. It's about understanding that we are literally resisting the very space we're supposed to be in. We're supposed to be in our softness and we're supposed to be in our healing aspect in our medicine woman aspect in our wise woman aspect but we fight that because we are pushing to be what men determine success is mm-hmm. and i'm not saying we don't um, all of the things it's the process of getting there that has to be different Mm-hmm. Well, this, that is a whole nother conversation. We're going to have to have another episode on that and how, because what that piece that you said about if we all were able to lean into our divine feminine, that we could collaborate and heal the world. That that's me. That's, that's, that's part of my purpose. So we're going to have to have another conversation about how we get there and how we do that. But I, I wanted to talk about, this big announcement that you have because you just launched your podcast called black the black women amplify so congratulations yay Yay. i'm really excited for you and i can't wait to see the trailer video because the trailer video that you did for our talk show is the bomb so i know this one is going to be off the chain but Please tell me what the podcast is about and what you hope to accomplish with it. Well, Black Women Amplified is something I started a few years ago where I saw that people were not giving space for Black women to speak. 
Um, and initially it was called the black female factor. And that came from me watching an interview with, um, one of the, the people on CNN and he was talking about the female factor. And this was around the time Hillary was running for office. Well, mm. in the whole piece of 30 minutes, there was not one black woman or one black woman of color, even though the man speaking was Indian. And I was like, you don't even see us. <laughs> Do you mm, see us? Right. <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to create a space where we could see ourselves. So I started a Facebook page and then I opened up a blog. And what this is about is sharing information like I'm sharing with you now. Um, it's going to be topic based as opposed to interview based. And it's just going to be about the lessons I've learned from life. And I wanted to do something that I could leave my baby cousins and my goddaughters because I just don't think as our generation, Generation X, have we shared the information that we've learned because a lot of them are very um, lost. And when my goddaughter had her baby, she had twins, a boy and a girl. But I looked at the baby girl one day and I was like, how can I leave the information for her so that she doesn't have to go around and look for it like I did? And so yeah. I wanted to, it's going to be information based. Some of it's going to be woo woo. Some of it's not going to be woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> and some of it will be my philosophies and thoughts. Cause I'm a really deep thinker. So I'm revealing myself to the world in that type of way. And so I hope that when people listen to it, they, un they understand themselves better. And that's the whole purpose of it. I, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing this so we all have an opportunity to have deeper discussions with ourselves, with our community, with our squads, and so that we can galvanize in understanding what our true power is and how powerful we really are in a world that reduces us to our bodies. So that's essentially what it is. And it's evolving and growing in my head and on paper. And uh, we'll see where it goes. But it's, it's really just time for me to push myself out front and let people hear what I think about. And that's where I'm going with it. Mm, that's beautiful. I cannot wait to listen. And it sounds like part of the purpose is for you to leave a legacy for uh, your family, the women in your family, and and all women, and that's a that's a beautiful thing. Legacy is beautiful. Thank you. So you're welcome. <laughs> On this show, I always talk about limiting beliefs, and you are someone who's risen to heights that many people haven't even dreamed of. You know, you mentioned. A lot of those celebrities that you've worked with, you slayed the cosmetology industry, and you did all of this without a college degree. What limiting beliefs came up for you? There may be somebody else who does not have a college degree, but has entrepreneurial aspirations or other aspirations, and they may have some limiting beliefs and would love to hear what yours were and how you overcame them. My limiting be beliefs came um, because I didn't have a college degree. Be so I didn't think I was smart enough. I didn't think I was capable enough because everybody around me went to college. And my family was, I mean, 
up until last year, <laughs> my aunt was like, so have you thought about going to college? Like my whole life is not enough. I still need a college degree. And so I had to, it, it was a fight for that internal conversation. And I remember, um, this is a sidebar. My dad, I had an opportunity to buy a building to get a salon. Beautiful building, historic building. The Catholic church at this time was looking for money. So they were selling off properties. And so we had a opportunity to buy this building for $15,000. Had to be like 22. And my girlfriend that I was going to do it with, she was also a hairstylist. She's 10 years older than me. So I didn't have the money. And I went to my dad and I sat, I remember the, it was Sunday. It was the only time he was really home because, you know, he had his own business. And I sat beside his bed and said, hey, daddy, can I talk to you about something? And so he was like, sure. And I said, well, I need $15,000. And I told him my whole game plan, you know, I had written out the plan. I knew what I wanted to do. And he literally turned over in his bed and looked at me and said, nobody's going to give that type of money to you. You're just a hairstylist. And it crushed my soul. Like it took years to get over that. And so what I understood is that I was going to prove my whole, you want to talk about a life mission? My whole life was to prove him wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My whole life was to prove him wrong. And that was that crazy. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, you think I'm... I'm not good enough. Watch this. Watch me work. And so overcoming that, um, I did it anyway, even though that was always in the back of my head. And so there are some opportunities that I wish I had taken that came to me, but that was the piece that was in my head. Who's going to believe in you? You're just a hairdresser. And then my, you know, my dad on my mom's side, when are you going to go to college? And so even though I never did either one of those things, there were other people that believed in me and took a chance on me, even though I didn't have this or that and the other, because they saw who I was. And so I fell on their belief of me until I had my own. And so mentorship was a big part of, um, of my journey. And I, if you don't have a college education, get a mentor go to the library and hang out, watch documentaries of other people because there are lots of people who didn't go to college who had incredible lives. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg never finished college. Although he got in, he doesn't have a college degree. Steve Jobs doesn't have a college degree, except maybe honorary degrees people gave because they donated money. But there are lots of people, even though TV only shows Dr. Sobot somebody or attorney somebody or CEO somebody, once you delve into people's stories, you'll find that we all have very common journeys. One might be to the left or one might be to the right, but they all come with taking chances and taking risks and if you don't believe in yourself, lean on somebody else's belief in you. And so that is one thing I will, I tell people, I'm like, you might not need a college degree, but you need to, you need to believe that you can do the work that's put in front of you and just say yes and do it afraid. Mm-hmm. That is great advice. And it's so true. Uh, sometimes some, most of us are on journeys and even when we overcome 
one set of limiting beliefs, there's always some other limiting belief that we have to overcome because we're on a personal growth journey. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in that space that there's that limiting belief there, borrow somebody else's belief in you mm-hmm. and just do it afraid. So that's great advice for, for everyone. Wow. I could go on and on and on, but I know that uh, you are busy and we're getting to the end of our time. But I wanted to just ask the final question of what what's next for you? You're adventurous by nature, as we have discovered. Um, what personal and professional adventures do you have planned in addition to the podcast? In addition to the podcast, I'm putting together a, uh, a journal and I really want to go mm-hmm. deep into journals and workbooks um, and eventually do a course. But I just really, I am a journal freak and I'm a pen freak. And I always say, do what you love. And I was like, oh, I never thought about doing this. But I want to take the information that I've learned and stuff I'll talk about in the podcast and put it into a workbook journal form so that people can do the work themselves. I never want to be anybody's guru I never want to be anybody's beacon. I want people to be able to to understand that they have, like they said, you will do, Jesus said, you will do greater works than I. And I want people to understand and develop their greater works. So journals are going to be my next, um, that's my next adventure. And I'm really excited about it. (laughs) Wow. Well, that, that's very exciting. And we, we need to talk because um, I would like to do, I love planners, right? I love um, writing in my planner. I love decorating my planners. And I love planning my time. That really works for me to be productive. But I would love to create a planner for Black women who are about or who are ready to get stuff done, but also wanted to be beautiful and to incorporate some of my coaching techniques and um, some of my soar in, into that as well. So we'll have to talk uh, because I, I, I want to know how you're going about your journey of doing your journals and your work workbooks so we can collaborate. Maybe that would be fun. Yeah. That would be a lot yeah. of fun. That would be a lot of fun because I just think I've always believed in pen to paper there's something magical Mm -hmm. i know we get in our computers but there's there's a some people call it sacred writing um the whole book conversation with with god was asking questions and god answering so there's something magic when you put when you ask yourself a question and it's quiet you light your candles you got your, your beverage of choice and you just sit down and work it out and so I think that that's, that's, that's the download I got from God. So I'm moving forward with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like you said, some people are visual learners. Um, I learn by writing. So writing is another form of learning for me. Definitely. So please share how we can listen to your podcast, how we can follow you on social media, how we can just keep in touch with all of the wonderful things that you are doing. On my um, Instagram is at Monica Wisdom, and that is where I do a lot of my chit chatting. <laughs> well, I do a lot of posting, and then um, Twitter is one of my favorite spaces. So I ask Monica is my Twitter, 
And I'm also, mm-hmm. I will be using um, Twitter spaces a little more. On Clubhouse, I'm at um, Monica Wisdom on Clubhouse. And then we also have the room, We're Speaking Sisterhood. So everyone can feel free to join that room and join our conversations. And then I'm going to give you an email, I mean, uh, an address, a web address, where you can click into my email list and learn more about my podcast there. And it is go to bold.blackwomenamplified.com. That's bold.blackwomenamplified.com. And that way you can get on my email list and you'll know when my podcast is released because some of the podcasts I'm going to put on Apple and some of them will just be on the website. Mm-hmm. I want to do, I I'm, I'm trying to avoid always being on a third party website. Although mm-hmm. Apple is very popular, but I also know there's a lot of shifts and changing happening, shifts and changes happening in the podcast world. So I also want to be able to have content that is just for my crew. So I'll, I'll be yes. in both spaces. So that's wonderful. Basically, how to find me. And then there's also Black Women Amplified on Facebook is our Facebook page. And that's where I post stories is about Black women doing incredible things in the world. And, I, and people use it as a resource when they're having a bad day. They'll just scroll through all the stories and get some inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Well, we definitely need to know where to go for that because, you know, we all have bad days and now we know where to go for inspiration. Well, Monica, this has been a wonderful, enlightening uh, conversation. And I just thank you so much for the gift of who you are. Thank you. I have enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we could talk until 10 o'clock tonight. (laughs) One thing I could talk about all day is sweet baby Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll just have to have a part two. (laughs) Right. Definitely. Definitely. So I want to thank you for asking and I want to thank you for um, our time together because I really appreciate it. And um, thank you for being open to the conversation. That's that's a big deal. So. Absolutely. And I'll talk oh, to you One soon. last thing. The other thing specifically for the podcast, people can go to podcast.blackwomenamplified.com and get on the list for the podcast. And then I'll share most of my information about the podcast there as well as show notes and resources. So podcast.blackwomenamplified.com. Oh, okay. okay. Podcast.blackwomenamplified.com. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, okay. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. All right, I'll talk to you later. Thanks for conquering those limiting beliefs on another episode of the SOAR podcast. If you want to reach out to my guest, just check out the show notes and all of the contact information is there. If you want more information about Stephanie Brown Coaching, go to www.stephaniebrowncoaching.com. And I'm sure you're already following the SOAR podcast Instagram page. But if not, just go to IG and type in Sisters Overcoming and Rising, all one word. Goodbye for now. 